You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you oughta, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom, Come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network. good you're listening to phly flyers post game that's right phly my name is bill Matz. i'm your director of fun and games for the evening damn man that was a that was a fun one quite honestly i don't know what more you can really ask for in terms of pure entertainment value from a flyers devils game especially over the last few years where they have just kind of been a slog uh this was good up and down game a lot of shots a lot of chances bunch of goals uh, and the comeback effort falls just short. Ah, man, forcing, forcing your way back into this game, getting a couple power play goals, uh, Morgan Frost getting one, Sean Walker putting a goal in there to uh, make it the one-goal game in the third period. That was really fun. Good effort in the third. Uh, I, I, t- <laughs> I tweeted, it does not seem like a reward, however, to uh, force a comeback against this Devils team, and then it's like, oh yeah, what's wh- what do you get for that? Y- you get to play, you get to play three on three against Jack and uh, against Jack and Luke. So good luck. Yeah, the Hughes brothers are freaking good, man. I want to talk a little bit about uh, Jack Hughes when Charlie gets aboard, but uh, just a crazy stat I looked up before the game in the first fourteen games of Jack Hughes's career against the Flyers. No goals. That's like three-plus seasons. Uh, He did not score against the Flyers. Last year, in the opener against the Flyers, he didn't score, then scored in the final three, and now in the first meeting, he scores today. That's four straight games against the Flyers with a goal for Jack Hughes. He has, I mean, he has risen to superstardom, and I got to give it to Luke, too. Uh, I thought the penalty on Garnett Hathaway was absolute bullshit. Um but pretty pretty good resilient effort there for Luke Hughes to come back from that huge hit and then eventually score the game winner. So I guess you got to give him the old hat tip for that one. But uh, I guess with the Flyers, where we will start is, um, I suppose the biggest controversy of the game is least, at least as it regards like the Flyers themselves and not the asinine officiating we saw throughout this one. Joel Farabee. Started the game, got a uh, got a regular shift for his second shift as well. On that shift, the Devils scored their first goal. He uh, 
Looked like he went for the steal as they were trying to break out and totally whiffed. And then as the play comes back the other way, you basically don't see Joel Farabee again in the screen until the puck is like being taken out of the back of the net, basically. Uh, so I'm going to talk to Charlie about that. But we do know it's been a point of emphasis that Joel Farabee or that the entire team really back checks, really makes their way back. And if, you know, Sanheim or somebody pinches, the forwards got to cover and get back. We will see if that was it. I know there was some speculation. I think I saw tweets saying the uh, the radio guys were saying Farabee is hurt, maybe speculating. I didn't hear it, so I don't know. But we will uh, we'll see. But the Flyers, you know, like I said, that was he played 56 seconds, did Joel Farabee. He's benched for the entire game, I believe, after his first shift and then uh, or after his second shift. And then Garnet Hathaway is tossed for a completely legal hit. Uh, like, <laughs> you know who got Luke Hughes hurt? The officials. And then they decided, I'm going to rant about this a little later in the show, but, uh, you know, the, so the Flyers playing with 10 forwards, they looked, uh, they fought hard. They had a lot of shots on goal, but it kind of looked like uh, they ran out of gas. Like the wind just came out of the sails after they fell down 3-1. And then they started to build it back up a little bit. It was looking good. Uh, things were, and Sean Walker gets that uh, goal with about five minutes left. Then they score uh, at the end to tie it up. And cool, it was, it was a fun all-around game. But you do have to wonder about the decision to go with 10 forwards. I get wanting to send a message to Farabee, but it's like, all right, Hathaway's out. You might just have to kind of eat this one, Torts. But no, John Tortorella believes in sending a message, and sometimes you just have to sit down and watch. So we will, uh, we will talk to Charlie more about that one. I'm sure he'll have a funny quote or just say Torts didn't feel like talking, didn't really give us an answer on it. So we'll see. Uh, about how that plays out. But I will say, like, I saw a lot of back and forth, you know, on the old timeline about this Farabee decision. And I get it. He's one of the dudes we like, and he's going to be hopefully a big part of the future here. Uh, I will say, though, for a lot of people who are like, they should just lose every game, and this year's all about development. Who cares about the wins and losses? Well, John Tortorella kind of put development of team culture well ahead of desire to win game by benching Joel Farabee. So like, I, I kind of understand what he's doing there. I got it to say, while I can get very frustrated with this coach and there's a lot of shit that just makes me go, ah, is he the guy for the rebuild? I'm not sure. I still saw, I, I still see something where he is trying to develop this culture and you have to earn your ice time. And if it has been a point of emphasis that guys got to bust their asses getting back, you have to cover for the point man. You have to get your guy through the neutral zone on those rushes back. Giving up odd man rushes like this is unacceptable. And maybe they've told Farabee a couple times, listen, when we say this, we're talking about you. It's maybe they've emphasized it to him. And eventually the only thing you can do is take away the ice time. I, it's hard to argue. I want to hear more of an explanation. Hopefully we get something from the coach. Hopefully we hear from, uh, when we hear from Charlie, he'll have something for us on that. But I, as much as I want to see Joel Farabee play, and he's one of the dudes who this season is about him taking another step, him proving what he can and like where, what his role is going to be once this thing really gets rolling. Like, Top six left winger, it, it, like him and Couturier, I just see is 
that awesome second line duo that that can really make things happen for you in all three zones. I think he's going to be a part of this. I don't think a one-game benching is like, oh, well, Torts is done with him. Like, listen, we saw him bench Travis Konechny last year, and look how that went. And Travis Konechny is one of his favorite dudes. Uh, but uh, it is it is a, uh, is a little odd. Uh, yeah, I see David Brown says so many chances tonight. They did have a ton, had a lot of shots. Um, it's crazy, this team. Sometimes with their inability to take advantage of their chances, uh, you know, you, you hear about, oh, yeah, the Devils, you know, give up. Of course, they score a ton of goals, but they give up a ton. They don't really defend, not getting the best goaltending this year. And you think back to San Jose, oh, yeah, their goaltending's horrible. You look at the Hurricanes games, it's like, oh, yeah, they're not getting any goaltending this year. It's They have so much trouble scoring. It's very clear. Uh, I think it's almost more evident in these close games how, why they need to rebuild because it's like, damn, they they could win this one four to three if they just had that guy. Like you look at it, they they played their asses off. They really fought to come back. But then ultimately what happened? Jack and Luke Hughes. Oh, well, okay. That's the difference in the game. They have those two guys and the Flyers don't. I do want to talk about the end of the game though. That uh that decision, I believe it was Travis Sanheim coming in on the left uh, side on offense with the puck when they break in to start overtime and just forces, I guess it was a shot or maybe a cross-ice pass. I don't know what he was looking for there, but, man, there were so many other options. I know the NHL isn't crazy about having guys go back into the neutral zone and reset if nothing's there and maintain possession rather than force a chance and a turnover. I know the NHL's not crazy about that, and they might do something to limit it in the future, but unless I miss something today, you know, maybe, you know, I'm here watching the game. It's 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 possible, but JP hasn't said anything to me. I haven't heard from Charlie. They have not implemented those rules yet. So whatever the decision was there, it was the absolute wrong one to, to lose this game, uh, turn the puck over, play comes the other way, Flyers never get it back. I have no idea what he was doing there. I do want to get Charlie's thoughts on uh, Travis Sanheim's game as well because it was um, – I did not think it was one of his best. Another guy with a an up-and-down night made some plays, made some good things happen, made some bad things happen – the uh, most talked about flyer, I guess, this season, Morgan Frost. The most, it might be the name, like if you were to search social media just by mentions, Morgan Frost might be the most popular flyer. Not because he's the most loved, just simply the most discussed. Um, another crazy thing I looked up before the game, just like, I know there are people out there who are like, why do we even talk this much about Morgan Frost? And there are other people who are like, why can't we just give this guy a chance? He's clearly a good player. Here's what something I looked up about Morgan Frost. And he scores a power play goal. It was uh, crashing the far side of the net to grab that rebound, uh, putting in the opportunistic power play goal, and then going down to celebrate. I thought he was going to go full Danny Briere swing, but he just did the kind of like uh, – stock the stick away um like sheathed the stick uh it was very Briere-esque though like you see those little things in Morgan Frost's game and it gives you like 
there is something else there, but he just hasn't been able to tap into it uh, consistently enough. Hopefully this is something uh, he can sink his teeth into now with Noah Cates on the shelf. It's his opportunity to take advantage and really finally establish himself as a consistent NHLer. Uh, but pregame thing, I'm, I fall down these rabbit holes and then I just subject everyone else to the, uh, to the things I look up either on YouTube or hockey reference throughout the day. Um, <laughs> talking about that 2017 draft, Nolan Patrick, who has not played since March of 2022 and has only played 77 games over the last 4.25 seasons came into the game tonight with four more career points than Morgan Frost. Listen, <laughs> I think Frost is a good player. I would like to see him get his opportunity, but I do think it's important to realize the dude has done almost nothing with his career thus far. I realize there were some hiccups along the way, injuries, COVID, coaching decisions, whatever, but like... You, you should probably outscore the dude who hasn't played in two years. That's, that's just, a, just a thought. Just, just a thought. Uh, so the ups and downs of Morgan Frost tonight, he uh, takes a bad penalty to negate a power play in the first period. Nice work to score that, what I called a Briere-like goal on the power play in the second. Uh, gets called for hooking in the third. It was a little eh. Also draws the penalty in the third that they tie the game on. So it was a... You got the full Morgan Frost experience tonight. Like the stuff that just makes you go, oh, this guy, he's coming out of the lineup. And the stuff that makes you go, this is why he has to be in it. He's a dangerous player. He forces you to defend. And when you're forced to defend, you're going to commit penalties. And when you're on the power play, he's one of the few guys who can distribute. He's one of the few guys who's good around the net. There's, there's something there with Morgan Frost, but you, you get that. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I either tweeted it out or said it to JP when we were watching the game. I don't remember. It was uh, like... When uh, when Frost takes that penalty in the first to negate a Flyers power play, I'm just like, man, I'm picturing Tanner Lazinski, Samu Tuomala, and uh, Ali Lixell all sitting together watching this game like in an apartment in Voorhees looking at each other like, one of us is going up. <laughs> like, and it's just like three dudes, like in a setup like this with the three seats, and they're like, I wonder if it's me or one of them. Yeah, like all just kind of looking at each other, nodding. But Frost did bounce back to at least uh, to at least make up for his mistakes tonight. He played enough of a uh, enough of a role in this comeback where I don't think that on Saturday we're going to be seeing someone from the Phantoms in the lineup. I guess that's you never know. It's John Tortorella. You know, he might blame Sandheim's turnover on Morgan Frost, but we'll see. Uh, I guess I do have to get to the Hathaway thing. I <laughs> five minutes in a game for boarding on a hit in which L L Luke Hughes hit the ice before he hit the boards. I, I thought, correct me if I'm wrong, for it to be boarding. You have to be thrown into the boards. Just a very simple concept here. And it was really, what really drove me nuts about it after the fact was the slash against Travis Konechny is then only called a minor when we get a full tomahawk chop down on his arm. The unpadded part of the wrist. 
That is pure intent to injure. The only thing you're trying to do there is, I'm breaking his fucking arm. Like, that's the only thought. There's not another thought in your head than I'm breaking his fucking arm. Uh, I never tomahawk chopped anyone like that playing hockey. But I'll tell you, in, in lacrosse, where there's a lot more leeway for slashing, that's what I was thinking. I got myself, I was a defenseman. I had a, I played deep hole. I had a, this wooden stick that would just leave welts on dude's arms. And if someone laid their arm out in front of me like that, Oh, yeah, I chopped down on it, and I was thinking, I'm breaking his fucking arm. And that's the only thought that was going through, uh, who was it, Palat? Who even, uh, and who even did the, uh, who? Brendan Smith, the slash against TK. It was not Palat. It was Brendan Smith. Like, I, I don't know how a pure, like, Garnet Hathaway made a hockey play. And the only reason it was illegal is because the refs were embarrassed that they didn't blow the whistle on the icing so on the icing sooner. That's it. The referee has a responsibility to blow that play dead way sooner than he did, and because the whistle never blew, it didn't blow until Hughes hit the ice well after contact. I, what's he supposed to do? I thought Al Morgani put it perfectly. There's no yellow light in hockey. There is green. We are playing. And then the whistle blows, and that means the light is red, and you stop. There's no middle. There's no yellow light. You go or you don't. And Garnet Hathaway, there was no whistle blown, so he threw a legal hit in which he put his shoulder into a player's chest. The player hit the ice. He did not leave his skates. I don't know what was even penalized about it, let alone five and a game, but I'll give it to the Flyers' penalty kill. They did surrender a goal late in this game, but they killed the first four, including the major, and that Devil's power play is fucking awesome, dude. Uh, th came into the game like over 37%, I believe, best in the league. Uh, now, obviously, during the major, they don't have Luke Hughes. Dougie Hamilton missed the game, so that's, I mean, they're, they're missing pieces there on the power play tonight. Uh but they have Jack Hughes, you know, <laughs> he's kind of, it's kind of a power play just having him on the ice to begin with. But this, the officiating tonight, and there are some other weak calls, uh, calls that uh, both for both teams, uh, there were some bad calls and missed things, uh, weak penalties, the, the wrist aligning penalty on the interference. Like it's two guys like bumped into each. What are we doing here? Um, I would love to know the average age of NHL officiating crews. And I believe this should extend to all sports. <laughs> Think about the like 40 and 50, 55 year olds, you know, none of them can see and none of them can keep up with prime level athletes. The NHL and professional sports in general are just far too fast for an old guy to be able to keep up and make all the right calls. They can't see well enough. They can't skate fast enough. They're just not tuned in with the game today. I do not understand why all officiating isn't done by like 25 to 35-year-olds. I think that would make it so much easier. I think leagues need to, and referees, unions, whatever, need to invest in like recruiting, basically, going to Division three guys, going to dudes who don't get drafted, guys who've been in the AHL maybe four or five years but really haven't made it yet, and being like, listen, <laughs> your career as a player basically isn't going any further than it has. Do you want to go to the show one day? 
You know how you can get to the show? By becoming an official. You can get to the NHL that way. And, like, building them up so that by the time they're, like, 25 to 35, they can actually make it. And it's not, well, yeah, once my career was over, then I got into officiating and I made it at 52. Like, I just, I don't get it. it. We're going to continue to see bad officiating in every sport as long as old men are doing the job. Like, they can't keep up. They can't see. It's just that simple. Athletes are too good for these old dudes to uh, it just absolutely drives me nuts. And it helped at least in part determine a game tonight, uh, or at least made circumstances much more difficult for the flyers. You know, some of it self-inflicted. They did. John Tortorell decided to bench Joel Farabee, uh, but they're going with 10 forwards for no other reason. Like Garnet Hathaway was ejected for one reason. The officials were embarrassed. <laughs> They were embarrassed that they got a potential star player injured because they missed blowing the whistle on an icing. And so to try to make everyone feel better about what happened, they kicked the guy out of the game for a completely legal hit. And he'll probably get fined for that hit now too, just to make everyone feel better about the incompetence we see from the, uh, we see from the officials on a nightly basis. Like, this is the second time in a week we've seen a dude take a full swing with his stick and basically have no penalty called on him. We just watched Brendan Smith try to break Travis Konechny's arm. Two-minute minor. Two-minute minor. And we saw Jacob Truba take a baseball swing at a dude's head and get fined five grand. Uh, what are we doing here? Like, we're kicking guys out of games for hockey plays, and we're just saying, yeah, this is all cool, when dudes swing their sticks. Like, someone is going to get hurt so badly, and then there's going to be a crackdown. I just don't understand why we can't get ahead of this thing. Uh, maybe, I don't know, be a hero. Get ahead of the thing. And that brings me to our next partner, Hero Bread, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, I think this time of year we could all use a little help making some better decisions. I know with football every Sunday, tons of hockey games every night, not to mention all the holiday parties, everything else going on this time of year. I'm going to be taking in a lot of calories, specifically a lot of carbs. And I'm told that that might not be the best choice for maintaining a healthy lifestyle. And that's where Hero Bread comes in. Hero makes sliced breads, buns, and tortillas that are available on Hero.co and Amazon. All of their products have hit the spot for me because this bread is soft, fluffy, and delicious. And right now, Hero Bread is offering the PHLY fam 10% off their first order. Just go to Hero.co and use our code PHLY to save on Hero Bread today. That's H-E-R-O dot C-O to save 10% today with our code PHLY. And if you don't want to take it from me, like why would I take you know some sort of health advice from Bill? Kelly Hinkle gives this product two thumbs up. And she's not even an employee here, you know? She's just a consumer of Hero Bread, a regular user of this product, and she gives it her stamp of approval. So if you don't need if you're like, look at Bill. He's ridiculous. Why would I? I get it. But Kelly Hinkle as well, she gives her stamp of approval to Hero Bread. And if that's the case, I bet you will too. So check them out, hero.co. Uh, where do we go from here? Uh, Owen Tippett, that's kind of a conversation I want to have with Charlie, but I will say for the first time tonight, there were some shifts, like two, three shifts in a row he had, like midway through the second probably, where 
I was starting to really think I'm seeing last year's Owen Tippett again. When we say he was a guy who could take over shifts and take over games and, you know, for bursts would look like, oh, yeah, when he's out there, he's the best player on the ice. Started to kind of get uh, that the... Started to get that feeling again today. Had a, drew a couple of scoring chances. Believe he drew a penalty in there. Uh, just getting to the net, being strong, being fast, using his skill. That's what we want to see out of Owen Tippett. So I'm hoping, you know, we see Tyson Forster score tonight. We see Owen Tippett start to get going. I would like to see the younger guys making more contributions. Uh, it is important that Sean Couturier and Travis Sanheim, specifically, as well as the goaltenders, are a big part of this, especially like if they're going to play better than we thought they were going to to start the season. Because those dudes are going to be here, you know? Uh, contractually, it doesn't look like there's much of an opportunity, at least in the near future, to be moving on. Uh, oh, okay, Charlie's ready. All right, cool. i uh, just say, like, it doesn't look like there's much of a chance to be moving on from those guys, so it's important that they are... Uh, it's important that they're good, but I need more out of Tippett, more out of Forster, more out of Brink. You know, those dudes who we're hoping are definitely a big part of this in the future. Uh, but now we are joined by, is he, is he ready, JP? Yep, we are joined by Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter. It is Charlie O'Connor. Charlie, I just got to start with um, Flyers Devils. Fun? I don't have them. Uh, Charlie, test, test. You got us. All right, all right. Uh, we will we will try to get Charlie's audio going in just a second. Um, where was I? I was talking about Owen Tippett. One of the young guys I need to see more out of is uh, the youngster Bobby Brink. A dude I was incredibly excited to see make this team. He does record an assist tonight. It is, uh, as I'm trying to scroll here through the <laughs> through the box score. I really hate the new... The new NHL.com absolutely sucks. Like, whatever they did, like, they had something pretty good going, and we're just like, nah, we're going to make it bad now. Uh, but he does, uh, we do get an assist out of uh, Bobby Brink tonight, but he came in with just one goal and one assist in his previous seven. I get a rookie's going to have his uh, his ups and downs, but I just, uh, he was looking a lot more standout-ish a couple of weeks ago than he has lately. Okay, looks like we have Charlie O'Connor back. Let's try it now. Chuck, are you there? I can, I cannot hear Charlie. Nope. Okay. This is always fun, guys. It's you know oh, wait, what the funniest I think I'm part good now. What? We're I good think now. I'm in. Oh, he's here. All right. Awesome. Yeah. So Charlie, uh, let's pick up where uh where I started initially. Flyers Devils. Fun? Yes. No, <laughs> and I think I've said this before because I am a noted New Jersey Devils hater. I think the team should not exist. They ruined our childhood. You already have two teams in New York City. You don't need a team in North Jersey. It's completely unnecessary. It's a waste of everyone's time. Even when they were a yearly cup contender, they didn't sell out all their games. They don't deserve a team. It makes me very, very angry that the Devils fans have this fun of a team. 
This team is really, really fun. They are loaded with talent. They play fast. They play with skill. And that's what you saw tonight. You saw a Devils team. They played the way that, especially early on, but then obviously in, in overtime in that brief little bit, they showed exactly why they have so much skill. But they played a fun game. And the Flyers matched them. The Flyers, honestly, they, they didn't have a good first period. They fell behind. But the final 40 minutes, I mean, they were peppering um, Schmidt with shots. They, they looked like a team that could go toe-to-toe with the Devils. It was a fun game. Like, this was one of the most entertaining hockey games that the Flyers have played this season. It was just an enjoyable game. I could have watched this game with no, like, I don't, I don't cover a team. I'm just watching it because it's, you know, 8 p.m. on a Friday night and I got nothing to do and I flip on a hockey game. I would have been riveted watching this game. And number one, that's wild because, as you said, it's the Devils. But number two, honestly, it's the Flyers. It's too. the Flyers. Like, yeah. Flyers, Flyers played a fun game. Yeah. No, they absolutely did, uh, and they did so shorthanded. Now, one of those was uh, you know, Garnet Hathaway gets tossed for making a hockey play because the officials uh, want to cover their own mistake, while the other sh- reason they were shorthanded, self-inflicted, John Tortorella decides to sit Joel Farabee. He, got, he, he started the game. He got a regular second shift. On that second shift, it looks like he goes for a steal as the Devils are breaking out, completely whiffs, and then you don't see him again on the screen, basically, until the puck is being taken out of the back of the net. And we've talked, like, you know, the odd man rushes they've given up and back-checking and everything. It has been a point of emphasis. Was uh, was that the reason we did not see Joel Farabee? He wasn't busting it on the way back? Was there an injury we didn't know about? What did we know, What did we learn about Joel Farabee? Okay, well, number one, there, it definitely wasn't an injury. Okay. If, if it was an injury, he wouldn't have been on the bench. He That's was on the I bench thought. the entire rest of the game. Like, you don't keep a guy on the bench if he's injured just to give him a front row seat for a hockey game. He was meant to sit on the bench and basically spend 58 minutes thinking about what he did wrong. That was clearly the intent from John Tortorella. Um, I asked John Tortorella after the game, and John Tortorella, in his you know very unique John Tortorella way, gave very, very little. His answer was because he didn't listen. So later in the press conference, I did push him a little bit on more in general terms. I was trying to figure out, was it the fact that he didn't seem like he was busting it on the back check? Obviously, in the Rangers game on Black Friday, that was a problem up and down the lineup where guys weren't tracking. So I asked, did you see that as being a problem in the first period? And he said, no. He said, yeah, the first, you know, there were some odd man rushes. That's fair. But he didn't think that was a team-wide problem. Doesn't mean he didn't think it was a Joel Farabee problem. It also, as you you hinted at, it could have been that maybe Joel Farabee did something wrong by going for that steal. Then maybe that's the opposite of what John Tortorella and the coaching staff is telling him to do in the neutral zone on that particular play. I don't know. John Tortorella would not specify exactly what Joel Farabee didn't listen to, just that Joel Farabee didn't listen, and that's why he was benched after two shifts and didn't play in the rest of the game. I was surprised. Like, he did, actually did this to Joel Farabee last year. It was in a game, I believe, in Carolina. He benched two guys. He benched Farabee, and I believe he benched Sanheim. And he benched both of them for the the first. I think they, they both messed up in the first period. He benched them the rest of the first period, benched them the entirety of the second, and then threw them back out there in the third. I was kind of thinking that that might be what he would do here. You know, I want to I want to show that that actions have consequences or inactions have consequences. I'm going to punish you for a little bit, but this is a divisional game against a really good team. We've we're already down one forward. Do we really want to be down two for the final 40 minutes? 
clearly John Tortorella felt that the message he was trying to send, whether it was meant to be sent to Joel Farabee only, whether it was meant to be sent to the entire team and Joel Farabee was just the scapegoat, that that was more important than rolling more than 10 forwards in the rest of the game. So look, I personally would not have benched Joel Farabee the rest of the game. That said, there is an element here where, you know, we, we talk about development mattering more than an individual win and loss. Maybe John Zurella feels like disciplining Joel Farabee in this situation is best for his development. I, I, you know, I guess I can say, I think it was dumb in terms of helping them win this game to bench him for 58 minutes. But if this helps his development, then then maybe it was worth it. If it all it does is kill the relationship between Joel Farabee and John Tortorella, then it wasn't worth it. So it, it, there, there's a lot of things with this situation that are going to be dealt with behind closed doors. And that's, you know, I hope they deal with it and it's not like a lingering situation. I hope it's not like a hanging offense for either side and it's just shit that happens sometimes in the course of a game. I was a little surprised by the... Uh, to the response to it. I mean, I'm never surprised by people being angry at the Flyers, I guess. But, like, I saw a lot of, like, oh, like, what are we doing with the rebuild here? Like, we're benching Joel Farabee. And it really stuck, like, it really stuck me as Farabee is a guy we like, so we don't want to see him benched because there was so much talk. Like, just the last show you and I did, like, people were like, well, it's not a rebuild if the win, you know, matters more than the development. And no, was he developing Joel Farabee individually by benching him? I guess you could say no, but he's developing and constructing a culture, and that's what he's here to do. Like, that's why John Tortorella's here and a computer isn't coaching the team, you know? Like, I, I just... I know we've pointed out a lot of John Tortorella's hypocrisy, but I think the like fan base as a whole, like, man, if we're, we're like, well, if they prioritize wins, this isn't a rebuild. It's like, well, clearly going with 10 forwards and one of the guys you're benching is one of your best wingers. Like you're not that worried about winning this game and you're more worried about the long-term like cultural, cultural impact. So I don't know. I just feel like fans want it both ways sometimes, but if you're, uh, you know, a guy who, if you're somebody who paid for tickets to this game, it's like, oh, probably would have wanted to see Joel Farabee a little bit more. Uh, that's that's just my thought. Um, the other player that they lost for the game in the first period, Garnett Hathaway got called five minutes in a game for boarding, uh, despite Luke Hughes hitting the ice before he hit the boards. Uh, I said, I want, I now want retroactively Alex Ovechkin suspended for boarding for his hit on Couturier in 2016. And I want to replay that series, see how it works out with him suspended. Uh, but nevertheless, just did you get any reaction uh, to, to what happened to Hathaway? Yeah, look, the, the consensus in the room, understandably, was it was a terrible call. That's exactly what Cam York said terrible call scott lawton was a little bit more diplomatic but he more or less said in a lot more words than cam york it was the wrong call he didn't really hear a lot from the refs towards towards did most of the talking but i think everyone in that room knows that it was a bad call i obviously wasn't interviewing uh the devils or or the devil's coach lindy ruff but my understanding overhearing someone who did was that not even lindy ruff like you would think that if if the Devils thought that it was a dirty hit, that they would have been ripping 
Garnet Hathaway after the game. I think they even realized that that wasn't a dirty hit, that that was just a hockey play, that because it had the outcome of Luke Hughes appearing to be injured at first, turns out he really wasn't. He was just hurt because it was a mean, nasty hit. And sometimes you get hurt for a little bit in hockey. You don't get injured, you get hurt. That's allowed. Um, that because it looked like he got injured, that the, the officials were caught up in it and it felt like they had to punish it. And it's ridiculous. It's embarrassing. And then you add in the fact that a big part of this, the big part of the reason why the hit was even possible was because they flubbed the icing. It's, it's a late whistle. Like you tell your players, you got to play until the whistle. That's what Garnet Hathaway did. And honestly, if anything, the officials put Luke Hughes in a bad spot because yeah. Luke Hughes assumed that it was going to be an icing because it was. So he makes himself a little bit more defenseless because he assumes there's going to be a whistleblower. The refs screwed this up on multiple levels. Number one, they screwed up with the late whistle. Number two, to compound it, they decide actually it's a five minute major because reasons, even though, and like I went through all the things. It's like it wasn't a hit from behind, it wasn't a charge. He didn't leave his feet because in real time, I thought he might have left his feet. I'm like, maybe that's maybe that that's was the one thing I was like, maybe. Yeah. And then I looked at it and you slowed it down. It's like, nah, nah, his skates were on the ice the whole time. Like this is, as I said on Twitter, it was a nasty hit. It was a vicious hit. Like that's a hit where a player could it is a, a player is at least going to get hurt by that hit. But that doesn't make it an illegal hit. As long as you're going to allow hitting in the National Hockey League you're going to have hits that are going to hurt guys. Like that's just the way it goes. And that's part of the game. And like, sorry that Luke Hughes was in a vulnerable position, but like you can't take that out of hockey unless you want to just take hitting out of hockey. And that was like, that is one a completely legal hockey play because the officials didn't blow the whistle. The officials legislated their own mistake and tried to make everyone feel better. Like, oh, no, 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 we didn't make, uh, he did something dirty. It wasn't us. Like, yeah. just totally, that's what they did in this one. And then I get even angrier about it retroactively when I see the Brendan Smith slash called a two-minute minor. Um, if that's not intent to injure, I don't know what is. Tom Tomahawk chop swinging your stick on the exposed part of a guy's wrist. You do that for one reason, it's to break his arm. Like, that's it. And that, oh no, that's a two minute minor. I guess that's just a hockey play. Like, I'll just never understand two times in one week, dudes swinging their sticks violently, and we get two minutes and a $5,000 fine out of it. Meanwhile, Garnet Hathaway gets sent home for hitting a guy completely legally. I don't know. I don't know, Charlie. I did yeah, a whole but, rant about the officials earlier. It's just insane. I mean, fair, but the difference between those two plays, and, and it, it, this shouldn't be the difference. This shouldn't really have much to do with it. The difference is, is that Luke Hughes spent 15 seconds on the ice and then skated right up the tunnel, whereas Travis Konechny was not down on the ice and kept playing and played in overtime. Like, that was the difference. It was They were very clearly punishing the result, not punishing the play, because that hit, I, I guess I can understand in real time the officials thinking that's a penalty i get that you know what it, it was it was a big hit it, it blew him up good i could see the officials looking at that in real time and being like yeah that's got that's got to be a penalty right because that was my assumption i saw that in real time I'm like okay that's got to be something but the fact that they reviewed it and didn't even turn it back into like if you if you turn that into a two minute minor i can accept that like it's probably not even a two minute minor but sure you know what i got hurt i don't yeah, like give them the two minutes. But the fact that they that the league, the officials in the league watch that play and then say, no, that's a major, despite the fact that like he did nothing wrong. It, it's bonkers to me.
Um, you talked about earlier or last season, uh, Farabee and Sanheim getting sat the way Farabee did tonight. He makes that mistake, uh, whether it was on the back check or, you know, as they're breaking out of the zone, whatever it was. Bad decision by Farabee. Got to talk about Travis Sanheim's decision in overtime to kind of force the puck. Uh, I guess it was a yeah. shot or a cross ice. I don't know what he was trying to do, but maybe I missed something where the league implemented the three-on-three -three rules that they've been talking about where you're not allowed to take it out and reset. But, like, what the hell was he thinking there? Like, what happened on the play that eventually had you – know, that eventually ended the game? I mean, you ask me what he's thinking. I feel like yeah. I'm, uh, I'm Bob, yeah. Bob Euchre. I'm Bob Euchre in Major League where he's like, well, I guess he's thinking. I don't know what he's thinking. That That's my reaction. Like, I don't know what he was thinking. It was a really dumb play. I thought Sanheim had a perfectly fine game aside from that. He made plays. He was carrying the puck up ice. And then in overtime, he flubs it. And, like, look, I think Travis Sanheim has had a, a very good season, a very good start to the year. I, I'm not out to bury Travis Sanheim, but this is an example of what happens when your top defenseman is Travis Sanheim. Like, this is he's not a number one defenseman. He's not the guy who ideally you're throwing out there for the first shift of overtime because you generally throw out your most talented players for the first shift of overtime. Travis Sanheim should not be the top defenseman on a team that's ha that has designs on, on contending. And, and we know this, like, that, that's why it was such a shock that he started out the season so well, but like, he's not a number one. He's playing like a number one at times. He's certainly being used like a number one, but on a team with designs on a cup, he's not a number one. And I think that mistake, it, it speaks to that. And again, not shitting on Travis Sanheim. He's been real good this year, but really good players are less prone to make that play. Travis Sanheim is a good player. I don't think he, I think he, he might, he's playing like a great player this year, but he's not like Luke Hughes scores that goal. Luke Hughes is on the ice for the first shift. Like Travis Sanheim, when Luke Hughes hits his ceiling, Travis Sanheim is not going to be as good as Luke Hughes. And that's just, that's just the hard truth. I, uh, like I was saying to JP a minute ago, um, this, uh, <laughs> like this furious comeback, great effort in the third period, some clutch scoring, get some power play goals. And then your reward is, Jack and Luke three on three. Like, oh, good luck. <laughs> it was okay. So we got a loser point. Way to go. Uh, I got to, uh, I got to bring up someone. I thought I had the exact same reaction. when I saw you tweet this out, it was around the midway point of the second period. Um, Owen Tippett really, uh, we saw some flashes like, yeah, around that halfway through the second period, like two, three shifts in a row where he really looked like, maybe for the, for the first time this season, maybe just for the first time in a few whatever that I can remember, um, that next level, Owen Tippett, where it's, oh, yeah, he's the best player on the ice on this shift. And we saw it like yeah. two, three times in a row. And like that, along with Forster getting a, you know, while it's not a snipe or anything, he got a he made a nice play to score in the power play. Like, do you think this could be maybe those two ramping up a little bit? I think I think Forrester, like I think Tippett's been fine. Obviously, you'd like to see more production from him just because he is in a key role in this team. They want to see him take another step. So far, he's more. I don't think he's been bad this year. I think it's just no, more no. that he's 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 stagnated. He's been about as good as he was last year in aggregate. You'd like to see him take a further leap. That would be great. Forrester, I think, is real close. Like that goal, he obviously finally got on the board a few games ago, but 
that goal, I thought he had a strong game all over the ice tonight. I think Forrester is is on the verge of, of putting up some major points. I, I think this is this could be the start of something with Tyson Forrester. I think he's ready to break out. Um, speaking of those two guys, another youngster who started the season on fire, Bobby Brink. He does pick up the secondary assist on the uh, on the game tying goal tonight, but he'd had just one goal and one assist in his previous seven games. He came out of the lineup for a little bit and just, man, he was, if not a catalyst, at least one of the dudes who was standing out early in the year. What have you seen from Bobby Brink lately? I just think this is part of the development process. Like we, we remember Travis Konecki's first couple seasons where he would look real good for a little bit, then would disappear for two weeks. This is honestly part of the process with young guys. And Bobby Brink is still a young guy. So has he looked as good as he looked in the beginning of the year? No, no, he hasn't been as consistently impactful. He hasn't been making as many plays, but I think he's making enough plays that he's not a liability. Like I'm not watching him and saying, man, he looks overmatched. It's just, he's not making as consistent of an impact. And that's part of the process. Like, this is why the Flyers are rebuilding. The Flyers are rebuilding because they need young guys. They need to rebuild the talent pool. They need to start over. And the rebuild gives them time to let Bobby Brink figure this stuff out. You know what I mean? Like, if, if you're trying to win every game, maybe you send Bobby Brink down. Because the idea is he's not helping us win games right now. But because the focus is long-term, because they're doing a rebuild, you have the ability to let Bobby Brink work this stuff out. I love the fact that with Brink, you just you just feel like you have to say the full name. You can't just say Brink. you got to say Bobby Brink. Bobby or Brink, different. you know? Yeah, well, I'm not going to say Bobby or Brink. I think that's a little much. But I do think I feel like I have to say Bobby Brink whenever I'm saying his name. And I need to catch myself and stop doing it as much because it's going to get real annoying to a lot of people. But I think that this is more or less just – Brink slowing, like having a little bit of a slowdown, having a little bit of a slump. The good thing for him is that with Noah Cates injured for the next six to eight weeks, it's not like they have anybody to push Bobby Brink out of the lineup. So he's going to get his chances. And I think eventually he'll get back going. I believe in the talent. I am uh, I am glad you brought up the Noah Cates injury because it's a good segue into the next guy I want to ask you about. It is Morgan Frost. And dude... When he takes when he takes that penalty in the first period to negate a Flyers power play, I just in my head picture Lixell, Lazinski, and Tuamala all sitting like in an apartment in Lehigh together, looking at each other, nodding like one of us is going up, bro. <laughs> and then he scores the goal, and then he takes another penalty in the third, but then he draws a penalty, and that's the game tying goal. Uh, so we got the full. Morgan Frost experience tonight. What did you uh, What did you make of his game? You know, positives, negatives wise. Yeah, I mean, he did what he's supposed to do. He scored. You know, he he produced points. Uh, I I actually had honestly forgotten that he was the guy who drew that penalty on Hughes. But you're right. I mean, that that's a pivotal play. And in truth, like that hooking call, I think is what they called on him, the one that led to the uh, the third goal. I thought that was a pretty weak call. It was ticking tag. That's. It's it's around the hand, sure, but that's more of a stick lift to me than any than a hook. Like I don't think he's obstructing him. He's trying to lift a stick. Maybe he got the stick a little bit too close to the hands, but you know what? That happens thirty times a game. So look, if if John Tortorella is gonna is gonna ding him for that, like he's got to ding everybody for that because 
almost every player does that play at least two or three times a game. I think that's more just an unlucky thing that the the ref just happened to have a bug up his ass at that particular time and just felt like I got to call something because reasons. Look, Frost was fine. You know, he scored. He he was involved. He was engaged. I thought he had a good game. I didn't think he was dominant, but I thought he had a good game. He scored a goal. He scored a key goal, and that's important. You know, I look when it comes to Frost. It's I, there's part of me that's just like it doesn't matter what he does. That John Tortorella just isn't going to care. That right now he's in because Noah Cates is out. And the second that John Tortorella has an opportunity to to pull Morgan Frost out of the lineup, when something goes wrong, he's going to do it. But I don't think Morgan Frost, in my estimation, did anything to make me think that he deserves to come out of the lineup. He scored a goal. He had a pretty good game. Like that, that should be enough given what he's done over the last year and change. But with John Tortorella, it might not be. You never know. Uh, I got to give it to. I know they gave up a goal tonight, but the. Uh... The penalty kill, uh, killing those first four, Fantastic. including the major, against a power play that came in ranked number one. They were over like 37%, I think. Just absolutely incredible effort uh, from the PK. And then, of course, the power play. Charlie, this is the sixth game in which they have scored a power play goal. In three of them, they've scored two. That's half. Uh, don't let this power play get hot, man. You're gonna you're gonna pay for it. But it is uh, it's it's Sean Walker who ties this game. He gets the or gets the second goal. Actually, does not tie the game. He scores yeah. the second goal, big one. Um, I see today before the game that Nikita Zadorov uh, is traded to the Vancouver Canucks for a fifth in 2024 and a third. In 2025, and I'm just thinking like about Walker and Sealer. Ha! Huh, maybe they don't have as much value as you think. Is that a crazy thing to think? Just because of yes. one trade? Yeah. Yes, I do think that's a crazy thing to think, and I will explain exactly why. So, number one, and this is this goes back to an an argument I have with people on Twitter all the time. This is why you don't trade guys in November. This is why you wait until the trade deadline, when there is a market, when there are multiple teams bidding against each other. They trade as a Doroff at the end of November because Zadorov basically demanded a trade through his agent. If you remember, his agent basically tweeted out like, they're treating my client like crap. This is ridiculous. And that more or less functions as a de facto trade request. So they didn't have a lot of leverage. They needed to get rid of him. So they had to move him in November before there was a ton of activity in terms of teams wanting to make a move because that happens in February. In February, when the Flyers presumably, unless they are solidly in a playoff spot or very much in the mix for a playoff spot or whatever, presumably they're going to be looking to move Nick Sealer and Sean Walker. And that will be when all of the playoff teams have the most sense of urgency to go get a guy. So number one, I think that's why you're wrong because I believe that waiting until February will increase those guys' value. This is why, like, when I hear people when I hear people yelling, like, well, why don't you just trade Sean Walker now? His value's at its peak. No, it's not, because teams aren't looking to buy right now. You need to wait until everybody's looking to buy, because the way you get a guy's value up is when you have a bunch of teams bidding on him. Right now, there aren't a bunch of teams bidding on guys like Zadorov. That's why Vancouver was able to get him for not that much. Number two... I think Sean Walker is more valuable than, than Zadorov, to be totally honest with you. Sean Walker is a right-handed shooting defenseman. Sean Walker is having a better season so far than Zadorov was. Zadorov was getting buried in Calgary. 
Like that was the thing. That was why he wanted out, right? So Sean Walker, on the other hand, is a key contributor to a flyer team that's overachieving. I think he has significantly more value than Zadorov. So I wouldn't worry. Like if you're talking about Nick Sealer, yeah, maybe that's about what you could hope as like a ceiling for Nick Sealer. Like if they can get, I, I know it was a 2026 pick. If they can get a third round pick for Nick Sealer, I'll be thrilled. That, that, that That's a great outcome for them. Yeah, that's when I saw the return, I was like, okay, that's what I would be happy with with Sealer if it's what Walker is worth as much as I think they have to trade Walker no matter what. Maybe they don't, but I, th- I, yeah. I like the way you laid that out there, Charlie. So thank you. Even though you prefaced it with, and that's why you're wrong, uh, I, I understand and I'll allow it. I only have a couple more things for you here. Uh, I was just looking up some, some stuff before the game tonight. You know, Jack Hughes in his first 14 career games against the Flyers, zero goals. In his last four, he has scored in each of them. This dude has developed into a legit superstar. Um, I always remember when I was up in the press box, like, as fun as dudes like McDavid or, like, way back when, like, P.K. Subban at his height were, like, to watch on TV, you get to see so much of their greatness when you have that bird's eye view from up top. What's it like watching uh, Jack Hughes now? He's really good. And and he's just, he's one of those guys that's noticeable. Like there are some, some good players, you know, you, you only notice them when they score. He's, he's everywhere. He's such a good skater. It's wild to see the, the Hughes brothers on the same team too, and, and watching them because I mean, I've watched, I've watched Jack Hughes for a few seasons now when he's been Jack Hughes, like two years, it was two seasons ago when he like kind of had his first mostly breakout and then last year was when he went from hey this guy is a a top tier player to this guy might be one of the best players in hockey good so i've watched him quite a lot in person he's great and he's an awesome player to watch but it's really cool as a hockey fan to watch him and his brother because like luke is basically just he's not as skilled as as jack because jack is probably the most skilled out of all than even quinn but like luke is an incredible skater and he's actually big like he's actually like he he needs to fill out. He's skinny, but he's six two. Like that was the that was the knock on Quinn and, and, and Jack was that they're small. Like Luke is going to fill out and he's gonna be a great skater who's a big guy. And that's gonna be a scary proposition for the rest of the Metropolitan Division. Hopefully a scary proposition for the rest of the Metro is just a short period away. Matt Vay Mitchkov, this is when I wanted to close with you, Charlie. What do we think of the mad Russian nickname? I, I got to be honest. I kind of love it. I kind of love it. It, it. I I said this to you over uh, over yeah. Slack DM earlier today. Like it very much gives me like wrestling heel vibes. Yes. And I knew that would be extremely up your alley. Yeah. One hundred percent. I'm like I started messing with it right away. I was like, what can we do? Like uh, like Madvey and like uh, like him and like a Mad Hatter. Like I was just trying to come up with different <laughs> ideas of like. How can we make the Mad Russian a thing? Because it came, I mean, it comes straight from Tortorella, unprompted. I do wonder if he just forgot his name. Because, <laughs> like, like, I could see that absolutely being, oh, you know, the uh, Mad uh, the mad Russian. Like, <laughs> I can absolutely see me doing that, like pulling a Costanza. Like, oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah, that guy. But no, I uh, I enjoyed that, and I liked your uh, 
your uh, pregame skate video on YouTube if you want to check out Charlie's reports. They are right here on game days uh, and after practices right here on this YouTube page that you're watching us on live. So make sure you check those out. They are uh, informative, and Charlie isn't in his uh, jacket and shirt. He's not in his press box gear. He's got his, he's got his red fleece on. So it's a little bit more uh, unbuttoned, Charlie. A little more casual. Right. A little more casual. Yeah, casual, Chuck. All right, do you have anything else, Charlie? I think that'll do it for our time together this evening. Yeah, I think, as I said, fun game. Like, truly fun game to watch. I enjoyed covering it. It won't be painful to write about this one when I get home. And, look, if the Flyers are going to play a lot of these games and lose quite a few of them, I can live with that. That would be a fun way to spend the season. It would be. Uh, it was a good game. So thanks a lot. I will talk to you uh, after the game tomorrow, Charlie. All right. And that was Philadelphia's number one beat reporter, Charlie O'Connor, coming to us live from the Wells Fargo Center. If you want to go to the Wells Fargo Center, man, there's a lot of different. I get it. There's like 25 different places to get tickets now. Uh, options of plenty. But the number one way in my mind, it's with game time. Because buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Holidays around the corner. I always think, like, listen... You want to get me, like, stuff? Like, I don't really need stuff. First of all, like, I have all the hats and T-shirts. I buy, the, like, all the shit that I like. I just buy for myself whenever. If you want to get me a present, I want experiences. I want to go do something. Pfft, tickets to an event. The best way to do that, it's with Game Time. Game Time is also the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without distress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Right? Like, it's way better. Like, if Ava wants to get me something... Yeah, I'm like, babe, we just buy everything all the time. Like, there's constantly, every day, there's one package for one of us. Like, you know, she bought the Princess Die Eagles jacket, and, like, I got the Buddy Ryan sweater, and we looked at each other. We're like, Merry Christmas, right? Like, this is it? <laughs> we're, gonna, we're not spending more, right? I was going to ask you, like. Oh, it's insane. What is, like, your closet, your memorabilia looking like? It Like, my memorabilia, like, I don't have. The thing I have the most of, but I'm constantly like rotating them because I want like wrestling shirts. My hat collection is just out of control. Like I told you, I found this today and I was like, God, it was Hockey Fights Cancer last game. You got some compliments today. Yeah, like it was Hockey Fights Cancer night last game. Right. I was, I found it. I was like, God damn it. I wanted to wear it, but it was, but I found this today. I was like, I have so many, they get buried. Like I can't find them all, but it's like, pfft. Tickets, man. Like, experiences. If Ava wants to get me something, like, let's go to a Flyers game. All right, real like, quick. The yeah. best Flyers jersey in Bill's closet. Go. Best Flyers jersey. Um, Man, I have, uh, I have my dad's Lindros jersey. My <sighs> dad was not a hockey fan, like, growing up at all. Okay. Like, 
they got Lindros and he like ran to Sports Authority and got like an original. There's no A, no C on it. It's just a Lindros White Flyers jersey, CCM. And like, I just love that thing because like he then went and like got tickets, like got like a ticket plan or something. Like he was not into hockey and they got Eric Lindros and I still have that jersey. So that's probably my number one. Um, my reverse awesome retro Oscar Limblom, I thought was like, oh, this is a home run. And then they bought him out. So it was, yeah. you know, I have a lot of those. Like I have like I Chris Gratton jersey. After one year, he changes his number. <laughs> Ten games into that year, they trade him. Like, oh, thanks. <laughs> like, I have a lot of uh, jerseys that didn't really pan out. Like two Gostas pairs. Like, oh, yeah, that was, was fun. Popular, Remember man. that? That was a fun time. It was a fun couple the emoji t-shirt. Yeah. 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 Like those were everywhere. And so. <laughs> Yeah, it's the jersey collection. Like I don't buy that many jerseys anymore. Um, but it's it's all about hats for me. Like that's where I really that's m- the majority of my memorabilia. Thank you for joining me on that little uh that little trip there. I'm sure that was super interesting for all the uh all the listeners. Listen, if you want to fill your closet with some great memorabilia, officially licensed gear, you got to go to Foco. Foco is the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. Whether you're looking for team apparel for the season ahead, they've got overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, anything you need for game day. Or maybe you're in the market for some uh, accessories, toys, or collectibles for your man cave, she shed, or podcast set. You've got to use Foco for all your team gear needs. Foco always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in the description of the show. For all non-pre sale items use promo code phly10 for 10% off that's phly10 for 10% off at foco today all right uh, i don't have a whole lot else coming out of that game talk to charlie about some of the uh some of the top performers some of the guys we need to see a little bit more out of and we will continue this that's the beautiful part of a daily show tomorrow we will uh, be here for post game following tomorrow's game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. The first of a home-and-home. They are in Pittsburgh tomorrow. So that should mean Charlie is in studio? That's right. I think. I don't believe he's going on this trip. I'd probably know about that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so Charlie will be here in studio with us tomorrow. So make sure you are er, on Saturday. Tomorrow is Friday. (laughs) We are off on Friday. And the game, Jesus, man. We just ordered a calendar from Foco. Foco. I I need like a giant (laughs) calendar that also follows me around throughout the day. Like Bill, it is Thursday. (laughs) Anyway, all right, that uh, I'm I'm done now. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. Follow us right here on YouTube so you never miss a live show. You know where to find our podcast. Make sure you are following us there. Give us a five star review. I haven't threatened the listeners in a while, but God damn it. We are giving you credit. Uh, we are giving you content every single day. Give us a five-star review. This thing is totally free. Like, I don't think it's that much to ask that you give us five-star reviews. Maybe create some dummy accounts and like boost our numbers. You know, just, just some ideas. Wink, wink. All right. That's it. Uh, and make sure you go to all phly.com. Check out Charlie's articles there and maybe think about becoming a diehard because diehards get discounts on events, including our very first PHLY Flyers takeover, which is Thursday, December the 14th against the Washington Capitals. 
Uh, you get a ticket in the 200 section. You get invited to a uh, fun little meet and greet with me and Charlie before the game. And the most important part, this is an all-inclusive ticket. You will get wristbanded for free food and drinks up until the end of second intermission. What else can you ask for? Go to allphly.com and check out our socials for the details on that. But the takeover is on Thursday, December 14th. Flyers Capitals get to see Ovechkin as he chases the goal record. All sorts of fun stuff going on. All right, that'll do it for me. For Charlie O'Connor, I am Bill Matz. Have a great weekend, Philly. 